Hello, welcome to the start of series two. This is episode 19 of the At Least You Didn't podcast sponsored by Lixia Drinks. I'm Caroline Verdon. I'm Annabelle Buckland. And if you haven't heard this podcast before, it's where Caroline and I share the most horrendously embarrassing stories from our lives that should be banished to the depths of our oppressed memories forevermore. What we do is we send each other these cryptic messages on WhatsApp of these horrendous stories and then we read them out on the podcast. Uh, We record them with... uh a glass or two of uh, our favourite beverage and what you will hear on this episode are a handful of those stories that we recorded. So uh, why not just click subscribe to the podcast and you never miss out on any of the good stuff. Uh, and if you're feeling generous, head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review and a nice little five star rating. Thank you very much. <laughs> Coming up on this week's episode, at least you didn't take practice kissing incredibly seriously get an intimate carpet burn on the bus have a terrifying first day of work experience or sex to your husband at work at least you didn't have a crush on mick hucknell carpet burn your lady bits at least you didn't show the coppers your tits it could be worse at least you didn't take practice kissing incredibly seriously (laughs) okay so, you know, when you're of that age and you start talking with your mates about kissing, have you kissed, have you kissed anyone yet? Have you kissed, not on the cheek, like a proper kiss. How and the old pressure. were you when you started talking about that? So I vividly remember being in top juniors. So I was like 11 years old and we used to play a game in the playground called ABC. This is the only time I ever got in trouble in primary school. Um, and what would happen is the girls would line up on one side of the playground and the boys would line up on the other. And... Um, if, if it was the girls' turn, for example, the girls would have to run from their side of the playground to the other without getting caught by the boys. If you got caught by a boy, the boy would say, A, B or C, and you would have to pick one, and they would have predetermined what that meant. So A might be kicking you in the shins, B <laughs> might be giving you a cuddle, and C might be giving you a kiss on the cheek. A, B or C! It was the game we always used to play. Um, but no. I got pulled into the headmaster's office for kissing too vigorously. <laughs> <laughs> when you were 11. When I was 11. Um, no. Yeah. I was playing marbles when I was 11. Yeah, no, apparently um, I, I was, I was too aggressive. Um, <laughs> so I suppose that was like about the time that like, I first became aware of kissing. And then when I went to secondary school... I was a late bloomer. Everyone else okay. had, had done the old smoocheroos. I think I was 16 before I properly kissed a boy. Were you call, still calling it smoocheroos when you were 16? That might <laughs> yeah, have from... been where you were going wrong, Caroline. <laughs> probably. But because of this, by the, time I, like, by the time it happened for me, everybody else had not just had one snoggerillo or two. Like They were masters in it. And so, you know, you'd read in magazines about how do you kiss? And the answers would always frustratingly say, when it happens, you'll just know how to do it. <laughs> that's not like, that's not good enough for that me. That doesn't work for people like us, does it? Caroline? It doesn't. It, I need, like, I need, I need step to by know. Steps. Exactly right. I need so a I pamphlet. Thought, so I thought, given that there are no pamphlets, the only way to achieve, you know, being good at kissing when it came down to it was practice. Yeah. So on my bedroom wall, I didn't have, I wasn't allowed to put posters on my walls, walls, um, but I did have 
wardrobe doors that slid okay. right and left. And I was allowed to put blue tack on those. So on my wardrobe door walls, um, I had some posters of the kind of the kind of boys I found attractive at the time. Uh, oh gosh, I can only imagine. So there was uh Stephen Gately from Boyzone. God rest his soul. Okay, yeah. Next to him, Brian Harvey from E17, a little bit of rough. Um, okay, and then yeah. next to him was my all-time favourite, yeah. Mick Hucknell. <laughs> <laughs> like, even Mick, Mick Hucknell's Huck- mum Mick didn't Hucknell. have a poster of him on the wall. <laughs> As in simply red? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know they even made posters of Mick Hucknell. How many posters were being sold of Mick Hucknell in the 90s? It was in a very, who was buying them? Just me. It was like one episode (laughs) uh, of Smash Hits magazine. It was very unpopular. Uh, It was centrefold. I loved it. He was in his white (laughs) linen trousers with like a white linen granddad shirt on and his red curly hair was blowing in the breeze. So I had those up on my wall and I thought, right... This is the time to practice. But the only one who was at the right height was Stephen Gately. So he was the one like I practiced with the most. He was he took the most punishment. He took the most punishment. I thought I'd work my way up. I wanted to save Mick until I knew what I was Saving doing. Best for Mick. Yeah. No, Mick. I want this to be right. <laughs> I want it to be special. <laughs> I'm gonna light some incense or something like that. Turn the fairy lights on. <laughs> So I used to stand <laughs> against, right, really up against the wardrobe door and his face and just absolutely go for it. Like full on, head tilted, just, oh, just give it a whirl. However, the problem was that I had wardrobe doors that moved right to left. They were slidey doors. And so I'd get really involved and Stephen Gately would slip on over to the right. Oh gosh! <laughs> and so I'd wow. have to try and I'd have to try and pull him back. It didn't really, you know, it wasn't really working for me. So in the end, what I did is I took Stephen Gately off the wall and I thought it through. Where's the best? I can't put him on the Wrong actual wall. And I realised that the best place to put him was inside a pillowcase. So one, he felt more like a person, and two, oh, God, the oh, cover. God. The cover of the pillowcase uh, meant that it actually saved his actual face from getting too wet. Oh, my Um, God. And I would lie there at night, practice snogging. What a horrible feeling of that fabric in your mouth. (laughs) That that makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up and and not in a good way. Uh, And funnily enough, it took years before an actual human was willing to kiss me. I was doing this, Annabelle, for wow. four years. Well, you must have been so ready. I was. That, that story is verging on pornographic. I was so ready. Um, and honestly, Gonzo, who I met at a rowing club bash, he was the one I snogged first. Gonzo at yeah. a rowing club? Yeah, he looked like a cross between Gonzo from the Muppets and Robbie Fowler. So a really good looking <laughs> chap. <laughs> at least you didn't. Get an intimate carpet burn on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is back in the day where you went on school trip. So get on the bus, have to sit next to Reese. And Reese is immediately being mean to me and teasing me. And to try and make it look like I don't care in the hope that he will leave me alone. Yeah. I think 
I'm going to show him with my body language that I haven't got time for your shit, Reese. okay? <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't got time for you. So I, I wriggle down in my seat. Yeah. And I hoik my knees up and rest my knees against the seat in front of me and wriggle down. So my bum's, my bum has shuffled forward in the okay. seat. Okay, yeah. And I just think, right, I probably look pretty chilled. As long as I've still got my seatbelt on, <laughs> nobody can tell me what to do. So it's all fine. And then about 10 minutes later, I realised that I'm losing blood supply to my legs and I've got pins and needles in my buttocks. So I think, time's up. I'm going to have to resume normal seated position. The problem is, do you remember what old school coach seats are made of? Um, basically splinters. It was fabric, <laughs> wasn't it? But it's like, like a carpet, thick but... carpet material. Yeah, you do not want to be rubbing your naked nether regions against that. Yeah. So as I start to wriggle up, the friction of the movement oh God. starts to push my trousers down. And with my trousers come my knickers. Oh my so God, I the burn. Realise that this is happening and I'm kind of in this purgatory of seating <laughs> positions. I can't stay like I am. I've either got to go back or carry on going. So I consider my options at this point. I can either continue and go all the way up, in which case I will for sure reveal more of my bum. Or I can reverse and go back to my wriggled down the seat position in the hope beep, that beep, the reverse beep, will happen beep. and I will just conveniently slip back into my undergarments. <laughs> so I opt for the second option. What a pickle. And to my dismay, <laughs> they just wriggle down even further. Oh no. So now at this point, my bum is fully exposed <laughs> because I don't even have any coach seat underneath it. So you're basically just hanging your naked butt over the edge of the chair. Over the edge of the seat. And there's about another hour to go <laughs> on this journey. So I thought, if I'm going to have an exposed arse on the bus, it's better that there's at least a seat underneath it. So I wriggled back up. Ow! And now my trousers are fully down, grazing the front of my crotch. And my trousers are stretched <laughs> over the widest part of my body. All I want to do is take off my seatbelt, but I'm only rebellious enough to sit like a knob. I'm not rebellious yeah. enough to take off my seatbelt to redress You're not going to break the rules. Safety first. Yeah. So I just have to sit there with my seatbelt on with a strategically placed book bag over my groin <laughs> and wait to arrive or whatever castle or museum or whatever it is that we're going to. God loves a strategically and placed book bag. <laughs> The worst thing about it is, I think, as long as I can just not draw any attention to myself for the next hour as I sit here butt naked on this bus, I'll be okay. The coach pulls in to this car park of wherever it is that we're going. This teacher <laughs> stands up before the coach comes to a halt and she starts walking down the bus to start giving, you know, the boring talk that teachers give when you're going out. You know, you're representing the school. I'm just saying, please don't look at me. Please don't look at me. Please don't look at me. And she just stops the seat ahead of me, looks at me and says, Annabelle Buckland, why are you getting undressed? And she blew my cover no. right at the last minute. I was just waiting for the bus to grind to a halt. Annabelle Buckland, why are you getting undressed? What was the reaction? Pretty mortifying. Being called Annabelle Bumland for the rest of my time at that school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
drinks break? Don't mind if I do. That's right. At least you didn't now has an official sponsor. We are sponsored by Lixir Drinks. They make the most incredible tonic water. So if, like us, you like a cheeky cocktail or a mocktail, you're going to love this because they do all sorts of flavours. They've got elderflower and lemon, rhubarb and ginger, blood orange and cinnamon. And get this, all their flavours have won an award. Now, they've been designed by a pair of lifelong friends, Matt and Jordan, who are professional bartenders. They have mixed all these flavours themselves. They are spot on. But most importantly, they've given us a discount code. (laughs) When you go to buy your drinks at lixiadrinks.co.uk, make sure you type in this promo code. A-L-Y-D-15. At least you did an A-L-Y-D. See what we did there? Not just a pretty face. By the way, I did try and type in five zero after it, just in case if you typed in a higher number, it gave you a bigger discount. It for doesn't. goodness sake, Caroline, <laughs> just be grateful for what you've given, you knockoff Nigel. Shall we get on with the pod? Cheers to you. Okay, this is the part of the podcast where we like to get your stories. You have given us some absolute beauties. And we are starting this series with a blinder. Quite literally. (laughs) Quite literally. (laughs) A blinder. Um, I mean, I just... I. Just don't think any introduction we could give this story would be good enough. It's um, it's it was quite breathtaking actually, as I imagine it was for Sarah from Newcastle, who came on to at least you didn't to tell us of her terrifying first day of work experience. <laughs> so this is at least you didn't learn the true meaning of a shower of shit. Okay, so. I was in my first year of vet school and in vet school when you're a vet student you have to spend all of your holidays doing things like working on farms or shelters that kind of thing so I decided that I would give myself a nice easy one and that I would work at kind of a petting farm where children come Um, but the petting farm also had a dairy um, to milk cows Uh, so I thought oh you know I'll get a bit of dairy experience but in my breaks I'll get to pet 80 bunnies this is great I often go to kids petting farms with the kids and think I'd love to work here sounds idyllic doesn't it so I turned up for my first kind of milking uh, which was at the beginning of a 12-hour shift I walked into the milking parlor, which if you've never been to kind of a milking parlor, it's kind of like a ditch in the bottom of the ground. So your face can be at other height. And I'll preface this story with a translation, which is that when I say cow, I mean cow. Um, You say it much better, Sarah. Yeah, you do. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So I went into my milking parlor and uh, no cows had come in yet. But the strange thing about a petting farm milking parlor is that there's another level above where families get to watch you. Um, And it was a beautiful kind of Easter Saturday, lovely sunny day. So it was very busy at the petting farm. Um, So I looked up and there were maybe, you know, at least 10 families of four or five up there, at least 50 people. Um, And the kind of announcer guy, because this is kind of like a show in a petting farm, announced, you know, hello, everybody. Uh, Today we'll be showing you where your milk comes from. This is John, whatever one of the milkers was called. He's been working with cows his whole life. This is Patrick. He's been working with cows for 10 years. And today we have a special guest, Sarah, and she's training to be a vet very soon. Do any of you kids want to be a vet? 
and of course lots of hands go up and there's all the shouting and stuff and I'm thinking oh look at me <laughs> showing the future vets how it's done look at me go this is my time um but I never milked a cow before so <laughs> my first my first cow comes in and she walks in front of me and I pick up the like sucker milker things, which as a qualified vet, I know that's the kind of technical term for these things. Um, yeah. So I walk up to my cow and um, as you do when you're really concentrating, because I have kind of the weight of, you know, of 50 people's eyes staring down on me, I really need to get these suckers on properly. So I'm looking up. I bend under the cow and I'm looking up and I'm squinting my eyes and my mouth's wide open as I try to like get my suckers on. And before I get my first sucker on, I see the cow's tail lift and mm. everything went black. Oh no, that's not uh, where milk comes from. No, no. <laughs> now this isn't the story where I say, haha, I got a little bit of cow poo on me. No, no. I got liters and liters of cow diarrhea from my hair the whole way down my face my open mouth with concentration down to the tip of my toes with my welly boots and everything was black and I had my glasses on thankfully but I didn't want to take them off because it was the only thing protecting my eyes so I then in this kind of ditch in front of all of these children and their parents had to like walk out with my arms in front of me like a zombie trying to find my way to the stairs to crawl out of the milking parlour. <laughs> and it was then I realised, what am I going to do? It's not like there's a shower or something around here. So I literally just had to get kitchen roll and wipe my glasses off <laughs> and then go right back in there and finish kitchen the milking. roll! Oh. <laughs> if ever there was something that kitchen roll was not for, it's wiping litres and litres of cow diarrhea <laughs> I did spit it out of my mouth before I got out of the milk oh, parlour, so that's at least something. <laughs> Into the milk bucket. Oh. oh, man. That is... Oh, my God. It was uh, really aided by the fact that I still had about 11 hours and 45 minutes of my shift left, and I just had to keep all of it there for the rest of the day. I couldn't even go and pet a baby bunny because I was too scared of giving it parasites that were in my hair. <laughs> Uh, it's just so horrific. I can the way she tells it, I can picture every single moment of that. If you have a story that you would like to share with us, please do get in contact. Um, you can find us on all the socials. Just search at least you didn't. Do you know what Sarah's story was, Caroline? What? It was another level. <laughs> Let's get on with the podcast. <laughs> at least you didn't. Sext your husband at work. Ah, yes. So, um, Rob and I were due to go on holiday. And obviously, because I was doing a breakfast show, I finished work early. And there's a real beauty about getting up at 4 or 5 a.m. in the morning on the day before you go on holiday. I was home by half past 10 in the morning. I watched Home Done to the Hammer. I had a really jolly good time. Um, and Rob was at work. I love that that's like a signifier of a really great day for you. I thought that was going to be the beginning of a list, to be honest, Caroline. No. Well, okay, here was my list. I watched Homes Under the Hammer. I had cheese and crackers for lunch. Why not? Because I can. Then I kind of started looking at the clock, thinking about what time Rob was going to be home. And he was going to be home about half past six. I was looking at the clock and it was about 3pm. And for the first time in my life, we were organised for going away. So we were all packed. 
So I thought, you know what? I'm going to open a bottle of bubbly. I'm really not a big drinker. I love the odd cocktail. Absolutely love the odd cocktail. Love a glass and a G&T. Love a G&T. But one drink a week, one drink a fortnight, something like that is usually what I what I end up having. So this was an unusual situation for me, but I was feeling luxurious. And I thought, you know what? I'm actually going to run myself a bath. I'm going to fill it up with bubbles. Wow. Uh, I'm going to fill, I'm going to light a load of tea lights and I'm going to take this bottle of bubbly into the bath. And I put my iPad on and I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch a nice film, stuck a film on, sat in the bath, drinking this glass of bubbly, thinking this is the life. This yeah. is just delightful. And one glass of bubbly turned into two and then the water got a little bit cold. So I got out of the bath put my dressing gown on, sat downstairs on the sofa and thought, well, I'm in a holiday mood. I'm going to have a third glass of bubbly. So I did Annabelle. By glass number five, I'm going to be honest, I was feeling quite tipsy and it was only 4.30pm. <laughs> Rob was still working uh, and I thought, you know what, he's got a stressful day today. Um, he's got a really, really big meeting, not just with heads of departments, but with directors of the gigantic international company that he works for. This was a really big day. He'd been quite stressed leading up to this. And I thought, right, his meeting's going to start soonish. So I'll improve his day by sending him a little treat. I've never really done a sext. Well, you know. I'd had the best part of a bottle of bubbly to myself. I'd watched Martin Watts' chops on Homes Under the Hammer. I'd had a nice bubble bath. What more do you need to get you in the mood? (laughs) Exactly. So that's what I did. I got rid of the dressing gown that I was wearing. I positioned my phone. I turned on the lights and (laughs) I took a photo. And there was no mistake. Make no mistake what that photo was. It was very clear. It was a private photo. Um, what can you can you paint the picture for us, please? What angle are we talking? What position are we talking? Have you ever done any yoga? Um, the odd yeah. the odd online tutorial. Yeah, yeah. Think downward dog. Oh, oh, I went for it, Annabelle. I okay, I absolutely zero in it from the front or from oh, behind? from behind, Annabelle. Oh, so you get you get everything, everything. then, don't you? Everything because was in gravity. Gravity. Gravity yeah. means that everything's all in of frame. them. Everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it. Three birds with one exactly, stone. Exactly. Exactly. What a lucky stone, eh? Um, and I took the picture and I texted it to him. Isn't he a lucky man? Oh, he's a lucky man. Thanks for answering, Annabelle. Yes, he is. Yes, he is, Caroline. He's really lucky man to have you. Um, he, I mean, he's, he's lucky for many exactly, reasons. Caroline, exactly. Exactly. And this photo is definitely up there. Um, now, yeah. what I thought was odd was that I didn't get an immediate reply. What? I thought, that's weird. And half an hour went past and I thought, I'll send him another. (laughs) So I took another photo. Yeah. This time, how do I describe it? When you were a kid, did you ever learn like in a, in like a tumble tots class, how to do a teddy bear roll? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I did. Yes, yeah. I did. Picture that. Um, X-rated, zero clothes, uh, quite a lot of chub. So took that, took that photo, sent it off. Again, no response. 
thought, well, that's rude. What more does the man what, want? What more does he want? So I think, well, I'll just go back to Holmes under the hammer. So I reclined on the sofa, put the dressing gown back on, drank the last dribble out of the bottle and waited for Rob to come home. When he came home, I said, did you get the messages I sent you? And he said, yes, I did. So it turns out that when he was doing this meeting, I didn't realise. Well, I knew this part. He's doing it and it's like a big presentation. So it's on the screen and you've got like 20 directors or whatever all sat around this gigantic table watching his presentation. But what I didn't know is that his phone links up to his laptop. I didn't know this. So when he gets a text message... So he said the first one popped up just just as the meeting started. Like people were just coming into the room and he thought he'd got away with it just by clicking the cross in the corner. And then half an hour in, I went for the teddy bear roll um, just to finish the job off. Um, and they all saw it. And I texted to his work phone and um, receiving messages like that, inappropriate in the workplace. So he started the holiday with a disciplinary. Oh my god! Oh my god! I bet you got a disciplinary yeah. as well, but but not in a sexy no. way. Well, I drank a whole bottle of bubbly by that point. So he got home, and once he told me that, I basically went to bed. <laughs> <laughs> He's a lucky, lucky man. At least you didn't Have a crush on Mick Hucknall Carpet burn your lady bits At least you didn't show the coppers your tits It could be worse Thank you so much for listening to uh, the start of our new series We're on series two now of this podcast What? Uh, I've been Caroline Verdon I've been and still am Annabelle Buckland That could be like my catchphrase Yeah You know like Bruce Forsyth has a catchphrase Had Had Had, had, yeah He has been Bruce Forsyth (laughs) episode at least you didn't get caught out on a school performance lower the tone at blenheim palace or get on the wrong soapbox did you ever learn how to do a teddy bear roll (laughs) 